Welcome to the Millennial Missions Podcast. Our heart is to connect missionaries all around the world, filling them with hope as they strive to fulfill their calling in Christ and to empower others to go. Hey everyone, today is a good day. Welcome to the Millennial Missions Podcast. If this is your first time, then welcome. You are a family member now. We are so honored to have you with us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can go to the millennialmissions.org website and you can also join us at the Millennial Missions Facebook group page where you can connect with other missionaries and just continue to be resources with one another and really get all the answers that you might need as a just a a, a believer, a co-missionary on the field, or just somebody that wants to know more about what Millennial Missions is and what's going on there. So before I turn things over, yes, I said turn things over. I just want to say you have a very special, special treat today that I'm going to be turning things over to someone very, very special to me who has a fantastic word on her heart and that I believe is going to speak to you, it's going to change your life, so here is none other than Danielle Lee. Welcome back to this episode of Millennial Missions. My name is Danielle Lee and I am Tyler's wife and I am so excited to get to be with you for this episode. I'm usually behind the scenes taking care of our children or just doing different things and so it is a true joy to get to kind of step up to the microphone and spend this time with you. Just want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, and being part of Millennial Missions is something we have so deep on our hearts because we feel like our generation has a pivotal role to play in bringing forth what is called the end time harvest and bringing forth people into the kingdom of God and populating heaven and just doing what God has for our generation and fulfilling that to the utmost. There's a generation that's gone on before us and they have just run their race so well. They have lived with integrity, they've lived with faithfulness, and so we want to see those same characteristics displayed in our own generation. And so today, I just really want to talk about a simple phrase called to step into a nightmare. And I just want to break down that phrase and discuss it with you today. So my first question is really, how are people to see that our God is good? How are they supposed to know that the God of the universe, the God who created every single thing, loves them? How are they supposed to know that this God who created everything has good plans for their lives? That he loves them, he is for them, he has amazing things that he wants to accomplish through their life. And so the question is, how are they supposed to know that? Because people grapple with that. They wonder, is God good? And then they take it a step further and they say, if he's good, is he good to me? Can I be good enough for God? Does God care about me? They wonder if this creator of the universe really knows about them, remembers them. They wonder if they've messed up so much. And they really, people deal with questions and it's a natural part of life. Life is a journey and we believe in absolute truth. And so we believe that God has absolute truth. And so when you look at these questions and wonder how are people to see that our God is good, the truth of the answer is really simple. Because the reality is, the answer is us. Through us, they're to know that God is good. They're to know that God is for them. They're to know that God has amazing plans for their life. They're to know that they are so loved by God that he sent his son for them. And that is our job. We are the light of the world. We're called to step into the darkest places of this world. 
We're called to step into the nightmares that people are living every single day. Every single day. God has called us to show up in the nightmares of those that are in pain. And he's called us to show them that they have a redeemer. You know, and at times we can think that this means we have to travel halfway around the world. We have to find, you know, a sex trafficking ring. We have to physically go in, beat some people up, rescue a girl. And, you know, in order to step into someone's nightmare. And that's a true thing. God has called people to do that. It is a terrible injustice that's going on in our world, as are other injustices. And so you can think in your mind, maybe you have another one that you think of. You can think, oh, I need to go do this and it has to look this way or I'm not really stepping into someone's nightmare. I'm not really being the light of the world because I'm not doing this grandiose idea. And God has plans for people and some people that is their plan. If that is what God's tugging on your heart to do, then you need to step out and you need to do it because hands down, God asked people to do that. But the reality is we have to consider a You know, for instance, maybe you have a 19-year-old college student. She's not in prison. She's not being held against her will. She's not, you know, she's really not had anything bad happen to her. She's not been abused. She's not on drugs. From the outside, her life doesn't look like a nightmare. She doesn't look like she's one one of the darkest places of this world. She doesn't look like she really needs our help to show her the way. She's probably heard about Jesus her entire life. But behind closed doors, she's hurting. She doesn't feel like she's enough. The devil has lied to her about all of her faults and failures. The lies have told her that if she was gone from this world, no one would miss her and she should just end her life. And so God is asking us, he's saying, will you step into her nightmare? She lives in your neighborhood. She goes to your, maybe she goes to your church or you see her at Walmart. Maybe she's the cashier or you happen to go to the dollar store and you just, the cashier or a girl just picking up some cereal just looks totally distraught God is asking us will you step into her nightmare will you take a break from your day-to-day life maybe it's juggling your kids or you know trying to keep your nine-to-five job you know going smoothly or all the things will you pause and step into her nightmare you don't have to get on a plane you don't have to go to somewhere else you just have to open your eyes to the people around you that are hurting that are that are struggling and that is part of What the heart is for Millennial Missions is to empower our generation that we are such a quick generation. We want everything to be so fast. We want everything to happen so instantaneous. But sometimes we really need to pause and we need to see people. We need to see them where they're at. We need to see that we have something on the inside of us that God wants to give to someone else. He wants to help someone else. He wants them to come to know him in a way that is going to impact and change their life. He doesn't want that 19-year-old girl to end her life. He wants her to succeed and be faithful to him and to live the story that he has written for her. You can also consider an elderly man. He's 71. He's just lost his wife. She was his whole world, and now he deeply misses her. She also did all the cooking and she did all the shopping for the last, you know, 45, probably 55 years of their marriage. And now he's living alone. He's trying to remember how to cook for himself. He's trying to figure out how to go around the grocery store because he didn't even have to do that. His wife did that. And so the question is, like, will we step into his nightmare? Maybe he's our neighbor. Maybe 
he goes to our church or we see him, you know, in town or he's walking around lost in the grocery store, can't find the bread, you know, we can help him. We can step into his world and alleviate, you know, some of the sadness and help him find the joy that God is offering him. Sometimes the darkest places of this world are our own neighborhoods, our own communities, the people that we know. They're dealing with some of the hardest things and they are right where God has us to be in the moment. You know, sometimes we say the phrase, we want to be in the right place with the right people doing the right thing. And that's the truth. We don't have to have some crazy idea that serving God means we just, you know, live every moment praying and, you know, going overseas and we need to go to Africa for true Christians. You know, God has that for some people. He wants them to go to Africa and they need to obey. But the reality is that right where we are in the community, God has places to be. If we're listening to him and we're in the right place, God has people that he wants us to come in contact with and he wants us to help them. He wants us to encourage them. He wants us to reach out to them. We don't know what that bank teller or the grocery store clerk are dealing with, what nightmare they are facing. But we have to pause the things that we deem important and take time to show the love of God to people around us. You know, we can smile at the barista that makes our coffee in the morning. We can take a meal when we hear that a neighbor is sick, or we can just go to a park and, you know, take some flowers and pass them out and just let people know God loves you and he's for you. Sometimes a simple act of just giving someone a flower or maybe you give them a cookie or you just smile at them. It changes their life and it changes their moment in in their story and and it gives us an opportunity to really open that door and to communicate with them and let them know that God is for them. You know, living encouragement it shouldn't be limited to strangers either we are called to help people and so that doesn't just say oh you have to witness to people you have to be an evangelist when you go out that also means our friends and family we have a community for a reason we're supposed to be encouraging those people we're supposed to be the reminder in their life that god is a good god and that god is for them we're supposed to be used by god to take time to reach out to our friends to let them know you know, we love them, check on them. That is, that's part of our job as a Christian. We're not just supposed to be going and going and reaching goals and, and trying to do these huge, big, arbitrary things. We're supposed to be seeing people and they're the reason. They're the what matters. We want people to know God is good. We want to step into their nightmare, step into their pain and walk it with them. We don't want to just pass them by and say, oh, you know, that's for somebody else. It's for the pastor to do. It doesn't really matter if I, you know, if I do anything else, it doesn't matter. God doesn't need me. He needs that pastor. He needs that person that is on TV. You know, they're really smart. They write a lot of books and God doesn't really need me, but it's not true. God needs us. People are the why they need the Jesus that we know the one that we got to grow up with or the one we met in our twenties or our thirties. They need the joy that we have found in Christ and the hope that doesn't disappoint. We need, they need that. We have it and they're needing it. In Colossians 4.12, to kind of summarize the verse, I always take it to say, may we stand firm in God's will. And that is my prayer for our generation. 
that we will determine to do the will of God for our lives, no matter what that might be, from being a pastor to a doctor, being a barista, working in a grocery store, that we will do what God asks us to do. And then that we'll live lives that are a reflection of Jesus and the hope he offers the world. That no matter what we think the sacrifice is to do what God has asked us to do, that we'll do it. That we'll be all in and live all out for God. Because the truth is, Sunday morning faith, it isn't really going to impact or change the world. We're not really going to offer hope to people or show God is good if that is all we are. If we go to church on Sunday and then our life looks nothing like the Bible and we don't really live out our faith in any way, we don't ever help people, we don't ever encourage people, we don't ever try to live like Jesus, then we're really not going to see the gospel displayed out of our lives. We may get some fuzzy feelings as we sit in church and we may, you know, feel close to God on Sunday mornings when we sing the songs and we talk about how he's a way maker and how he's for us and he's fighting our battles, but then we never open our Bible and we never pray and we never, you know, try to share our faith or live out our faith in any way, then we're not really, we're not really achieving that. We're not really standing firm in the will of God. And if you look at any person in history that did great things for God, from John Wesley to Martin Luther, they all have one thing in common, and that is a personal, daily, consistent relationship with God. A relationship beyond a weekly service. They didn't just read a psalm a day or a short devotional written by someone else. Like They were fully committed and dedicated to spend time with God every single day. Even Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he went out alone, he got up early, and that is a sacrifice, you know, to get up early. And he spent time with God. He made that happen in his life. And in Acts chapter 9 and verse 23, we read about a man named Saul. He was later called Paul, and he's preaching in the synagogues, you know, the truth of Christ. That, God, that he is a son of God, a message that made the Jews really angry. And as a result, they wanted to kill him. And Saul, he was a really well-known man. He had persecuted the church, the same church that he was now, you know, part of, part of and trying to help grow, he had persecuted. And in the same chapter of Acts, in verse 1, it even says that he was breathing threats and murder. In all likelihood, Paul really could have just recanted his conversation and his conversion. He could have just been like, oh, hey, look, everybody, I know you heard that I was preaching that Jesus is the true son of God, but I'm still just, you know, big, bad, you know, um, Christian slaying Saul. Please, please, you know, just don't worry. Um, I was just doing some inside research and, you know, the whole persecution thing, you can take it back. I, I really wasn't wasn't saying that, you know, he's not the only way. But he could have. He could have done that. He could have found it really easy to compromise because it was his entire life that changed. Here was a man that was persecuting Christians, starts preaching Jesus. He could have just turned it back. He could have just re kind of reround and said, okay, pause, I'm kidding. But he didn't do that. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 25, it tells us that Saul, instead of just doing that, he had the disciples let him down through an opening in a wall. So that means they put him in a basket and they lowered him over the wall, probably going through the wall. So he went over the wall. And so you think about that. 
He went over this wall into the will of God, into the plan of God for the rest of his life. He didn't know what that meant. He didn't know it was on the other side of that wall. And we get hung up on that in our lives a lot. Like what is on the other side of my obedience? Should I do this? Should I take this step? You know, am I in the will of God? I'm going over this wall. I'm going to move states. I'm going to move countries. I'm going to move cities. God's calling me to, you know, work in the children's ministry. I don't even know what that means. I've never worked in children's ministry or God's asking me to serve on Sundays or he's asking me to go witness to my neighbor. There's a lot of walls in our life that we go over and we do not know what is on the other side. We don't know what that's going to hold. And that's part of our faith. That's part of trusting God. Paul didn't know. He didn't know it was on the other side of that wall. He didn't know anything, but he knew that he had to take the gospel. He knew he had to preach the truth and he had to take the gospel to people. So he went over the wall. He, he did it. And as a generation, we have to get fully committed. We have to stand up and say, I'm going over the wall into the will of God, wherever that leads me, whatever that looks like, I'm going to step into the nightmares of people that need me to step into their lives. I'm going, I'm not going for name. I'm not going for money. I'm not going to raise some sort of huge ministry, but I'm going to raise the name of Jesus. And I'm going to step into the pain of people that are in my community, that are my neighbors, that are just living life and need me and need me to show them that God is a good God. And that's what our generation has to decide. We have to say, we're going to go all in for Christ. We're going to be in my place and do what God has for me to do. In Luke chapter 15, there's several parables recorded that Jesus taught. One is of the lost sheep, the other is the lost coin, and then the prodigal son. And he tells these parables to the religious leaders stating the importance of one person coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In our modern world, you know, we can get so hung up on numbers. I work in social media. I can see the likes. I can see the comments. I know the algorithms. They're all in my mind all the time. And it can be so easy to get hung up on the numbers. But a fully committed life to Christ isn't about all the flashy numbers. We can have all of the numbers in the world. We can have huge likes on Instagram. We can go viral on TikTok. We can have the live, you know, feed numbers from being going live on Facebook. We can have it all right. We can have all the terminology. Our Facebook and Instagram can have all the cool filters. We can have all of that and we can be flashy. But the reality is it's about the one. It's about being in the right place and stepping into the life and stepping into the pain of people that God has asked us to be. There's this beautiful old hymn titled, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And the lyrics were in, originated in India. A great revival in Wales led to a lot of missionaries going into India, both from England and then Germany as well. And so these Welsh missionaries ended up in India and let's just say their message was not well received. But anyways, they continue to speak the truth of the gospel. They continue to give the hope of Jesus Christ and they succeeded. They led a man and his wife and his two children to the Lord. After accepting Christ, the man then lived a very public faith. And that was soon so contagious to those around him. And shortly after his conversion, he was leading other villagers to Christ. He was just, you know, living out his faith like we're supposed to. And this made the tribal leaders, the tribal chief, very angry. And so he brought all the people of the village together and he demanded that this entire family renounce their new faith. And at the de threat of death, this man began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
no turning back, no turning back. And angry that this man would deny him, the, the tribal leader, he had his archer shoot the two children. And as both of the boys lay dying, the chief asked the man again, will you deny your faith? Will, you have lost both your children. Will you lose your wife too? And in song came his reply, though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. And now the tribal leader was really angry and he was really livid and he ordered that the wife join her two children in death. And so then for the final time, he turned to the man and he said, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. But in the face of certain death, certain death, the man sang on, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. The man, like his family, was then shot with an arrow, ending his life. But because of their deaths, that same tribal chief was deeply moved by their faith. The the chief questioned why would this man his wife and two children die for a man who lived so far away on another continent 2,000 years ago there must be something remarkable about this there must be something remarkable behind this family's faith and I too want to taste that faith and then the very same chief that ordered the family killed said I too belong to Christ and at his conversion the entire village made Jesus the Lord of their life and savior that story is pretty hard i mean it would be really easy to cry <laughs> and it is it's it's a hard thing but it's a reality of what faith in jesus has cost so many people but each person that has been martyred for christ they were fully committed they knew it was not a sacrifice just as the paul the apostle paul penned in philippians 1:21, he said for me to live is christ and to die is gain our faith may never be tested in the same manner, and it also might. The world is dark. There's some, a lot of conspiracy theories, and there may, they may, there may be some truth to that. There may come a time when we see some persecution where we watch people we know die for their faith. And that time isn't right now in most parts of the world. We're still able to talk about the gospel. We're still able to do podcasts. We're still able to openly attend church. For the most part, but even you can see right now, people are being arrested in Canada for their faith, for decisions to that they believe they need to attend church and live out their faith in this way, and they're being limited. And so the reality is, all these people, just like this man in India, they were fully committed. They went over the wall for their faith. And we will never know, you know, we don't always know the one that our faith affects. We don't always know the conversation we stop to have with the teller at the bank or the person at Walmart or the person that we saw crying in the middle of the aisle at the dollar store. We don't always know the impact that that has on them or what God has in store for us when we go over the wall. When we get fully committed and we sell out for God, we don't always know what that looks like. For those missionaries that went to India, what if they had never gone? What if they just said, well, that's kind of far and I like my home, want to stay here, somebody else will go. Because that's something else we say. Well, somebody else will step into their nightmare. Someone else will go into their pain. Someone else will have that conversation. Someone else will do this. Someone else, someone else, someone else. But the truth is, everybody has a place. And if those missionaries hadn't gone, yeah, maybe they somebody else would have stepped in their place. 
but they also may have missed that window of missed that family. That family may not have lived in that village anymore. One of their children may not have been there that day. The husband may not have been around when someone else went. And so everybody has a place. Everybody has to go. We have to go. And we have to step in our place. We can make excuses all day long. We can say, well, people are not hurting that much. And it's really easy. It's easy to say, well, we won't need to be fully committed from God to God. It's too lonely. It's too hard. We're busy right now. We'll do it in the spring. We'll do it tomorrow. It's all, all of those things are easy to say. Even the phrase of, I just want to have fun first. Everybody says that. I want to travel. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. But the reality is, God has to be first. Jesus warned Simon in Luke 22, 31, saying, Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may shift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, you will be strengthened. You will strengthen your fellow believers. And, you know, the truth is the devil wants us. And the devil wants us to keep finding excuses. He wants us to just keep on those excuses why we can't fully serve God, why we can't go over the will, the wall for God, why we can't step into the pain of people, why we can't help them, why we can't pause and say hi to the barista, why we can't witness. The devil wants that. He wants our excuses of why we can't live all in because he wants our faith to fail. That's the bottom line. He knows that when one of us gets fully committed to do the will of God and stands firm in our place that we can change the world. We can change someone's world. And when we are all in our place, all doing what God has, then we can change so many people and we can change so much in this world for the better. And they would stay, those people that we reach, when we reach someone, it's impacting eternity. It impacts where they will spend the rest of their lives because we believe in heaven and we believe in hell. And we believe that if we show people who God is, if we show people that God is a good God, we are showing them the way to heaven and the way to for eternity and the way to stay out of hell. And so it may sound so simple and it may sound so easy, but the truth is there's a question for us. And the question is, will we get fully committed? Will we go over the wall into the will of God? Will we step into the nightmare of those that are hurting, be used by God, be in the right place? And will we do it? No turning back. Even if people don't join us, even if people mock us, will we follow Jesus? And so that's my question for you. Will you go over the wall? Will you step into the nightmare so that people know that God is good? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Millennial Missions Podcast. We invite you to visit our website, millennialmissions.org, to read blog posts, find resources, and most importantly, to connect with us. See you next time.